You alright? How's it going? So, I've got my iced coffee here. The construction's going in the background, even though I've shut my window, so I hope you don't have to get angry about it as well. And this is a special episode, hopefully the first of a few, aimed at educating, because I know that no one got a good education in history. And if you did, good for you. So I thought that I'd kick it off with something, well, probably an area that we actually should know more about because the British schooling system is pretty much. Here's the ancient Egyptians, a bit about Greece, something about the Romans, Tudors, Stuarts, World War One, World War Two, sorted. And there you go, there's the curriculum. And maybe if your teachers were a little bit fancy, they went over the Middle Ages, just to tell you about plagues and stuff, which is very timely with the first case of the bubonic plague in China arising recently. 2020 is shaping up to be quite the year, but instead of giving you the history on that, I'm electing to give you history of the beginnings of the British Empire. The Empire Strikes Back, if you will. (laughs) So, let's get started. The year is 1497 and Henry VII has realised the old British tradition that we're shit at everything, but more specifically, we're shit at sailing. So Henry wants to improve the trading situation because at the minute it's essentially just England, the Isle of Man, Wales and a tiny little bit of Ireland and of course we English people love colonising. So the first step, naturally, for Henry VII was to get somebody who could sail. And he hired a man called Giovanni Caboto. Wonder if you can guess where he's from. <laughs> now, good old Giovanni went out searching for a route to China. And I'm sorry, I just can't say the word China without thinking of Donald Trump, sadly. Instead of happening upon China, he actually happened upon North America, being the first person from Europe to do it since the Vikings. (laughs) Can't say a lot of good came from it. But point being, this was the beginning stages of England attempting to travel elsewhere before the shit really starts rolling downhill. Now, Henry VII did what all good kings do and kicked the bucket. Therefore, leaving room for, you guessed it, fat bastard Henry VIII. (laughs) I'm sure in terms of schooling history, Henry VIII is probably one of the kings we learn the most about. Typically, only about the fact that his entire reign was marred by trying to get a son. However, we're not going to talk about Henry the adulterer, adultering and killing and divorcing in detail, so apologies for that. Henry VIII decided it was a great idea to drag Wales into the Kingdom of England and gave them a little bit of parliamentary representation. You know, because he's good like that. And in 1534, 
Henry decided to split from Rome and create the Church of England. And we all know why that was, don't we? Henry wanted divorces, so Henry did what any man in his position would do and decided to specifically create a church in which he could do whatever the fuck he pleased. So fat bastard Henry, after creating Church of England, caused a bit of a divide with Ireland because things never change. And the further we get into the blossoming of the British Empire, yes, the beginnings of colonialism, we start to realise why the Irish fucking hate us and let me tell you, they have good reason to. And anyone with sense would hate us as well, including ourselves, so. Naturally, in 1542, Henry decided to declare himself King of Ireland. <laughs> I wish I could tell you the logic behind this move, because in my mind it went something like this. Wow, those Irishmen really hate us. What can we possibly do to resolve this? I know what I'll do. I'll declare myself King of Ireland, because... What could possibly go wrong? Well, obviously, he got fatter, he got more stupid, and then followed the tradition his father had left him and kicked the bucket. Now, the son that he had so desperately been after succeeded him for all of about two fucking minutes and was followed by Mary I. In case nobody's noticed, most of the problems that arise tend to be related somewhat to religion, specifically the concept that whoever's in charge chooses their religion above all others and tries to subjugate everyone else, so big surprise there. Mary I was a Catholic and Mary decided to marry Philippe II of Spain, in case you couldn't have guessed he was from Spain by the name Philippe, which I read in my head as Philip, so... <laughs> If I accidentally call him Philip, don't come for me. Now, this kind of marks the beginning of an absolute tirade between England and Spain. And all of this is rooted in Catholicism against Protestants. So, <laughs> just a little side note for you there in case you couldn't tell that it was obviously all going to kick off. Mary decided that, obviously, following the tradition of her father, that she hadn't pissed off the Irish enough. So naturally, good old Mary thought it was a fantastic idea to confiscate Irish plantations to allow English settlers to live there. And we still wonder why the Irish hate us. But Mary and Philippe didn't have any children. And obviously, no one in England was going to allow Philippe to sit on the throne. So... Enter Elizabeth I. Now, Elizabeth was a Protestant, not a prostitute, as I nearly misread. <laughs> very different things, and I imagine her rule would have been very different had she have been Queen Elizabeth I, the prostitute. Anyway, she followed her father's tradition of punishing Catholics, which obviously kind of annoyed Philippe a bit because he was a devout Catholic. Now, in case you're sensing a theme here, you know, that hasn't already been mentioned, Philippe being Spanish and Catholic, having issues with Elizabeth, who was English and Protestant, kind of marked the map for a few issues with England and Spain moving forward. For a bit of context, in 1566, Spain held the Netherlands, which is a real place. <laughs> it's not imaginary. And 
I would like to add that I am saying this because I have heard people ask if it is in fact a real place. So Spain held the Netherlands, but the northern part was actually largely Protestant. Ooh. Obviously, they didn't fucking like being told to revert to Catholicism, so the northern part of the Netherlands started to rebel against Spanish rule. And England saw a fantastic opportunity. The opportunity to undermine Spain. So they decided to give these Dutch privateers shelter at English ports. Privateers is just a fucking fancy word for pirates. Pirates that Elizabeth employed for her own benefit. Now since Spain was off colonising everywhere, or trying to by this point, they were heavily trading mainly silver between their colonies. I know. (laughs) Unsurprisingly, privateers took silver from Spanish ships and ports and took it back to England. Privateers, water pikeys, whatever you want to call them, They stole Spanish silver and brought it back to England, which obviously Elizabeth loved. Bit of a magpie, that lady. And the star of the show was obviously Sir Francis Drake, who was in a number of profitable raids and was involved in circumnavigation. And Elizabeth continued Irish plantations to improve England's position and, you guessed it, piss off the Irish. Now, Spain was, as you can imagine, a little bit pissed off about England moving to claim more land, you know, and the silver theft. So, good old Philip was actually crowned King of Portugal due to issues with succession and he kind of uh, fully lost his shit when Mary Queen of Scots was beheaded in 1587, not to be confused with Bloody Mary, who was Mary I of England. And the reason, in a nutshell, for Elizabeth deciding to behead Mary, Queen of Scots? Because she didn't want Scotland to revert to Catholicism. And naturally, the way to quell rebellion is to behead someone. (laughs) Yeah. So by 1588, Philippe had fully lost his shit and decided that the best course of action was to order an armada. Can you guess where this is going? The purpose of the armada was simple. They would sail to the Netherlands and subjugate those who had been undermining Spanish rule and then piss off to England and fuck up shit. Didn't exactly go to plan. After a few scraps here and there, there was the Battle of the Gravelines. To summarise, the Spanish got fucking beaten and... It was actually that bad that in order to sail away, they had to sail the British Isles. So they had to sail all the way around the British Isles to piss off back home. So as you can imagine, it was a kind of an embarrassing defeat for good old Felipe, who had basically committed his life to trying to undermine Elizabeth. And um, long story short, few storms, lack of food and illness killed a lot of the sailors from the Armada. And bankrupted Spain. (laughs) Now, I don't know about you, but if I were living in Spain, I'd be wondering what the fuck Philippe thought he was doing. Like, you can't just take an entire armada based off of a petty feud with a woman. Though, I will give Philip. See, I called him Philip. (laughs) I will give Philippe his due props, because not only was he king of Spain, He was king of Portugal, king of Naples and Sicily, the, well, half-king of England during his marriage to Mera, duke of Milan, and lord of the 17 provinces of the Netherlands, and did you know the Philippines were named after him? (laughs) 
But then also, on the other hand, he saw state bankruptcies in 1557, 1560, 1569, 1575 and 1596. That's what you get for a declaration of independence, Philippe. So after Spain went bankrupt, about a year later, Elizabeth decided that it was a fucking ideal time to get an English armada. Because people don't learn from mistakes of others. And this armada was launched under the command of Sir Francis Drake. <laughs> the point of the armada was that they were meant to destroy the remains of the Spanish armada, the remains of which had not succumbed to illness, storms or disease, and stir revolt in Portugal and grab more silver. <laughs> Let it not be said we don't know how to steal things here in England. You want to know how that went? England did what it always does, fucked up majorly. Lives were lost, wallets were drained, dreams were shattered, but at least England remained independent. Towards the end of her reign, Elizabeth decided to found the East India Trading Company. I would like to think that would get a certain sigh of, oh shit, here it goes from people who hear it, because, as we all know, nothing improved after that. The point of the East India Trading Company was to give these people a monopoly on trading with India, and when Elizabeth died in 1603, she was succeeded by James VI of Scotland, crowned James I of England. <laughs> and in his early reign, there was an end to the war with Spain, which is obviously pretty decent, been going on a long fucking time. But I mean, one wonders whether anyone would have had money to do anything by that point. But poor James kind of was undermined by the fact that there was an assassination attempt on him every other month, the most memorable of which is the one that we commemorate every year, that being the gunpowder plot. Side note, can someone please tell me whether we are celebrating the fact that someone tried to kill a monarch, or celebrating the fact that they didn't? Either way, the tradition is kind of weird, but several assassination plots aside, he oversaw a permanent settlement in the Americas of English people. So it started off with Jamestown, and then there was Bermuda, Plymouth, which was founded by Puritans. Now Jamestown in particular was founded by the Virginia Company of London to make profit, obviously. And it was led by a man called John Smith. <laughs> Of course. He's the man you see on all example ID cards. It's John Smith. Now, surprisingly, John Smith actually had good relations with the natives. And when I read this, I was pissing myself as well. Because I was like, yeah, okay, well, you know, we're not actually watching Pocahontas here. This is the real world and white men are evil. But poor John was injured in an explosion and left. Now, several wars with the natives later, the natives were pushed from the area and plantations became a main source of revenue for these places, specifically in Jamestown, which employed indentured servants. So just to know, indentured servants actually sold themselves for a period of between four and seven years to pay for the voyage to the new world and are not the same as slaves. But naturally, England saw that it might be better to use slaves from Africa because they were easy to get and unlike indentured slaves didn't need to be freed. And due to conflict, the colony was turned over to the crown and so began the colonial empire built on slavery. Now, that is an entire other episode because 
Well, Britain's history of slavery needs addressing majorly, but this is how it all happened. To summarise, the Protestants hated the Catholics, the Catholics hated the Protestants, Spain bankrupted itself several times in an attempt to make itself independent and to fight anti-Catholicism. Elizabeth reigned much longer than anyone thought she would and basically stuck her finger up to the Spanish whenever she got the chance and stole all of their silver. And Henry VIII is a fat misogynist and I'm sick of hearing about how he treated his wives. And all of the commotion caused by him trying to get a son only resulted in having a son on the throne for about three fucking minutes. Anyway, that was your quick stop of the beginnings of the British Empire. And as we know, it only gets worse. I hope that you enjoyed the different style of episode and uh, have a good one. <laughs>